That's a wild story. Bunch of, bunch of drowned pigs. <clears throat> I remember the first time I heard this one that I can remember is when a, a, a preacher said, that was the story of the deviled hams. I was like, classic! <laughs> you know, like, 10-year-old me was like, that's a good gag. I like it. So, um, I won't, sorry, my sermon is not called the devil, the story of the deviled hams. Um, as some of you may know, we just got back from vacation. You notice Harvey looks very sleepy. I don't think we've recuperated because we did the big Disney trip. Um, it was a lot of fun, and we knew it would be pretty toasty in Florida in the Disney trip. We knew it would be very crowded, but we braved it. We gave it a while. It was a lot of fun. But I will tell you, I have been affected by this COVID thing in a very specific way. I was like surprised by the amount of people. Not that it was like overly crowded, but I was just like, I have not been around this many people in a while. A lot of folks, even for a gluttonous extrovert like myself, I was like, this is a lot of folks. Can't believe how many there are. And I saw something very interesting in the midst of all this humanity, in the midst of these crowds. Um, something I don't remember seeing at theme parks when I was a kid. I grew up in Florida, so I've been to some parks. Um, but even in my young adult life, something I'm seeing more and more, not just in parks, but I'm seeing out in the world, um, I would call these political t-shirts, but that's not really what they are. Um, I didn't see like shirts promoting a certain candidate, which is how I imagine political shirts usually were, like printing the name of a politician that you're going to vote for. No, I saw a lot of insulting shirts, like a lot of them. And I don't mean like insulting to me. I mean like this shirt is meant to insult someone. And I was like, wow, like a shirt that's directed to insult one individual who you've never met. <laughs> from Washington or state representative, who knows, but they're wearing these shirts, they bought them because they just couldn't stand someone, apparently, so much that they had to spend their money on merchandise to disparage them at Disney World. Weird. Just weird. Slogans calling people dumb. Slogans that say, idiot, with a picture of someone's face. I'm like, yeah, Disney World, what a, yeah, great. I saw stickers on gas at gas stations as way up. Idiots, dummies, pictures of people. I'm going, Lordy, fed up much or what? Worse than the name calling, there were some shirts that were just straight antagonistic. They said, um, try and take it. And it was a picture of a rifle. And I was like, okay, there was just a mass shooting at a school. Maybe read the room. It's like, no, I have read the room. And if you want to fight, I'm ready for one. I'm like, cool it. Just relax. What is happening here? Why do we feel this is like, yeah, I want to spend money to aggravate my neighbors today. <clears throat> Wild. Maybe I'm wrong. But this does feel like a lot more antagonizing than I've been used to. It seems like it's escalated. The disagreements are more than disagreements. They're desires for conflict, which is weird. A strong de desire to identify a fool, an enemy, an idiot, a dummy, and someone to say, you're the problem. These people are the problem. These persons cause me the most frustration. These people are foolish. These groups make everything so terrible. Anyone seen these shirts? 
You've probably seen the stickers too, the hats, they're everywhere. Okay, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe I'm naive. Um, you know, in truth, this isn't a new thing at all. I mean, it's Juneteenth, right? It's Ju June 19th, 1865, enslaved African Americans in Texas were finally told that the slaves had been set free, and they were set free. And we know that for generations to follow Emancipation Day, people of color were still treated as others, a problem, a scourge, irrationally blamed for cultural woes that had nothing to do with them, experiencing countless disadvantages due to just straight racial prejudice. Even in this room, all of us, if we're honest, carry some sort of prejudice or bias against people who don't look like us, who root for other football teams than us, root for other baseball teams or hockey teams, you know, more than that, uh, they're not from where you're from, they speak a different language, they vote a different way than you, they look a certain way, they love a certain way, they pray a certain way, and that makes them, them. And us, us. Until Jesus shows up, of course, in our story today, and changes absolutely everything forever. Because that's what happened to this possessed man, this Gerasene. Reading this story as it's told, we have this man who is possessed by demons, it says. The community has had to, in the past, chain this guy up because he routinely lashes out streaks through the neighborhood butt naked, hits himself with rocks, howls in the night, lives amongst the tombs. This is, this is, to say the least, a black sheep of the neighborhood. If someone started streaking through your neighborhood at random, you'd go, there he goes again. This guy, again, howling at all hours of the night. Right, so what do they do? They bind him up. And they say, don't do it again. And he goes, I'm doing it again. And he does it. And everyone's frustrated, I'm sure. It's just this thing. They just bind him up. They shackle him up. He hangs out in the caves. It's an obvious case of an odd duck in their community. But it says he carries demons. In fact, when asked, he says, I carry many demons. A whole legion of, him, of them. And that's what drives these fits. Fits of wailing, fits of self-harm. Seeking out to be among the dead in the tombs. It's so odd. That self-harm, think about it. Self-harm, the tombs, a cliff. It's fascinating to me that these are the things that they use to describe it because it fits something. Think about these words that are being used. He's called legion. In Greek, the same word is used for mob. A mob of people. Angry, right? Wild grumpy. <laughs> he is literally living out every day what usually happens to outsiders and outcasts, troublemakers. He's enduring the mob. He has cast himself out. He leaves. He can't be among them. He thrashes. He goes among the dead. In addition to casting himself out, he literally stones himself too. He takes care of all the mob responsibilities by doing it himself. He lives it out over and over. A physical manifestation of the outcast, of the outsider, of the black sheep. He is what mobs are formed to handle, a problem case, something that needs to be cast out, to be put among the dead. The demon possesses this man, and it's called mob, legion. And mobs are formed against, against an outsider. 
a mob of demons. Noticing something here about potentially the evil of a mob about identifying this outsider. So Jesus shows up. Woo, good. Jesus shows up. Mob of demons cast out into the devil pigs. Great. What do you want? It says, I want to cast you out. Well, please don't send me to the abyss. Send me into that herd of pigs. That seems like an appropriate place for a mob to reside. Just go away and leave me to the pigs. So he casts that out. They drive themselves, as mobs do, to self-destruction. They drown. But something special happens. The mob just did what the mob did. Pigs got run off a cliff. Great work, mob. But something strange, I love this. I love your reaction, pal. He's loving this. So something happens. The scapegoat, the black sheep, the outcast. He's not dead. No one killed him. No one called names. He's in his right mind even. He's not bound. The outcast, the scapegoat, he is all better. He's restored. Folks, that's not usually what mobs do. That's not how Legion works. Usually this person would be dead. But in this case, the mob is gone. It goes home until it needs to lash out again. But that's good news, right? That's good news. Who would agree if the streaker in your neighborhood decided he was all done with this? Good. Great. No more of that. No more problems. But what do they do? Do they see him? The community comes out and they say, great job, buddy. Good to have you home. Your house is still empty. You can go stay in that now. Oh, what are they? Terrified. Jesus, what have you done? You've broken it. You need to get lost. You wrecked this. This isn't right. But I don't know if you know, but a mob needs a black sheep. A mob needs a problem. A mob needs an outsider. The problem child is gone. I'm left without something to glom onto with all my anger. And now I'm left speechless. What is this community if not for solving problems, right? What is this community if not for fixing things? The legion's gone. The mob is gone, and they are terrified because in truth, this community, I'd argue just like our t-shirts betray about our own, is defined by what it's against. Defined by its outrage. Defined by its opposition to a scapegoat. So we make hats, we make stickers, we make shirts, we call people idiots, we call people dummies, and we say we would all be better if they'd just go away. We'd all be better if we just ran them over the cliff. If we threw rocks at them until they could no longer be among us. But here is the idiot. Here is the dummy. Here is the black sheep restored. All better. And the crowd is just not satisfied. Because in truth, they'd prefer a scapegoat. In truth, they prefer an outsider. They prefer a black sheep. How about you? Do we prefer having scapegoats? Because having a scapegoat, I'll warn you, what it does is it lets us off the hook for our own submissions to community corrosiveness. 
to the own pain we bring into our neighborhoods, to the bitterness we hold against our neighbors that we bring into the world, the feelings that we should be responsible for, the anger we stew in daily. It removes the quite possibly most important discipleship work, which is self-assessment, regularly checking in on our own words, on our own actions, and asking ourselves, are we people of peace or are we people of wrath? Discipleship challenges us not to chain up our black sheep, not to cast them out into the wild, but to draw closer, to bring them in. Like I learned from my wife Emily, and as I experienced on family vacations, in challenging times when you're raising children, your kids can have a tough day. And what it can feel like to you is, you're giving me a hard time. All that I do for you. But what is the saying, right? They're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. And my anger, I feel, says more about me than about the actions of a child, which are likely very fair. Age appropriate, I'm told. (laughs) I married a teacher. I, I asked for this. So I learned this, and and, and what I realized is that our words matter very much when we're angry. It matters that our words don't destroy. It matters that our words build rather than tear down. My words should always account for the undeniable dignity of my neighbor, the value of my neighbor. Would it be easier to simply call my neighbor an idiot and throw them out (laughs) when I'm mad? Oh, yeah, it feels great, too. We feel great, but is that the way of Jesus? Y'all can answer that. Go ahead. No, you said it, so I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that. So, Good Shepherd, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I'm sure none of you have called anyone an idiot before. I'm sure none of you have called someone a dummy or wish someone would just go away already. Never. You're the church. Are you kidding me? No. We aren't the types to cast someone out. But do we keep people away? Would we prefer they stay on the outskirts? Would we prefer they stay among the tombs? I know we go out into the world, we serve on the margins, but I will dare, Good Shepherd, to always go further, to imitate Jesus, not in our willingness to go to the margins, but our willingness to resist being a tourist of the margins and challenge us to live there, to raise it up, and to change the margins. Make it no longer marginal. To make the outsider an insider. To tell them Jesus loves you because that's true. And so do we. Because that should also be true. Because what? All means all. That's what we heard in this reading. All means all. There's no longer slave. There's no longer Greek. There's no longer this or that. We are children of the Most High. And thank God. Thank God for that good news for all of us that at this table all are welcome. Not because we so good and diligent faithful people deserve to come to this table, but because all of us, myself included, each and every one of you, we need it. We need our sins forgiven. You and me. And for that I say thanks be to God for a community that hears this word and is transformed by this word be people of peace 
of hospitality, of radical invitation, of making all things new and making the outsider an insider. Amen.